Welcome back to the Everybody Soccer Podcast. This episode, we have longtime returning guest Stan Anderson from FC United and USC Men's Soccer Program. He's helping me dive into the American goalkeeper landscape this episode, and we'll start with the proposed split-season model for the college setup. And spoiler, we're both fans of it, but we'll jump to a college success story in Zach Steffen, where he's found success overseas yet, had some hiccups with the national team, and we'll explore what's held him back on the international stage. From there, we recap the 2019 MLS season, where MLS teams are falling short on what they over and underrate, which bleeds over into a brief rant on the Goalkeeper of the Year award. We get close to ending on a positive note with picking highlights from Tim Howard's and Nick Romano's careers. They both retired recently. But we go back to the then-recent 2-0 loss to Canada and try to make sense of all of that. It's a long conversation that takes a lot of twists and turns, but something well overdue as we haven't had Stan on the podcast in a while. It's kind of a meandering conversation, but honestly, I loved it and was glad to get Stan back on the podcast. Maybe not really thrilled about it, but then when they get a chance to talk sure. about they had a sleepover last night or, or whatever it was, so, you know, they they just kind of brighten up and it makes everyone a little bit more positive. So, uh, yeah, you, you go ahead and take it and let me know if, if it works for you or, or not. You just you just fill me in. But uh, I definitely will. But yeah, but yeah. Um, well, y'all, y'all, y'all started off pretty strong at UIC, and it seems y'all, like y'all hit a little bit of a speed bump. But y'all aren't, y'all aren't sunk. But y'all are. No, no, we're, you know, we're, we're legitimately a very good soccer team and very good at home. Um, you know, when you get away and what have you, it is what it is. But. Uh, we ran into a, a well-organized team last night that, that did the job against us. And I think, uh, you know, we have four losses and this one was the one where you could go, okay, they, uh, they got us yeah. and, uh, all due respect to, to the others. Um, but, uh, you know, we felt that we had either, uh, I felt I should speak for myself large portions of the play. The only one I haven't seen was the Ohio State game, and I know Mays is doing very well with that team and their staff, Sergio, but at the end of the day, we uh, we just ran into a team that was more organized and better than us last night, and uh, who knows if we'll see him again. Yeah, well, well, I, you know, the y'all setup is kind of interesting because it's uh, – how many teams get the playoffs or for the, the conference play? Well, 48 go to the tournament, and us six go to the to the conference. Tournament. Okay, yeah. So it's it's basically. I believe that's correct. Six. Yeah. So two get a buy. Okay, so you're you're kind of gunning for that top spot, but really, I feel like anything can happen <laughs> once you get to those exactly. those conference tournaments. So all right, all right. Exactly. All right. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I I think that we'll uh, we kind of control our own destiny right now, and. Um, if we control our own destiny, that means that the tournament will go through Chicago. Yeah. And if that's the case, um, you know, not just because we're home, but we do, we have the nation's longest winning streak at home. So we're obviously doing something right there. And we'll <laughs> that, approach that and continue yeah. that. Well, that would be good. That would be good. Well, well let's build off this because I've seen some, some stuff online about them doing a split season, which isn't entirely new idea this has been bouncing around for the i i've heard of it the last i don't know three years but i'm sure it's, it goes back even farther you know but that's really the last i the first i heard about it but yeah uh especially for being a northern school how how does a split season uh, what about that appeals to you or or i guess i i'm assuming you're in favor of it uh if there's something about you're not thrilled about um what scares you so so the split season stan anderson what are, yeah what are Absolutely. I, uh, it's, a, it's a great question, and I will speak candid. I, you know, at the end of the day, it helps the, uh, the student-athlete and the player. So um, it puts them into a proper schedule of, of football games. And so, you know, not potentially three in a week uh, or certainly two in a week, this allows for a much, elong, a much more elongated schedule. And uh, that in and of itself helps. There are going to be schools that are in the north, like us, others that are in the Verizon League and 
others that are in other leagues that are that are north. Um, Green Bay, I think, is the furthest north mm. school. Uh, that you know, it'll be tougher on because the season might be longer, potentially longer in the fall. Uh, in the spring, you know, you you basically get into April, and that's where the season for the spring season is, unless you're playing indoors. So, you know, perhaps some indoor facilities are going to uh, be opened up for games in the spring. But it's the right move. And Sasha has been trying, and Maryland's been trying forever to do it. Rob Keogh's been doing a great job uh, aiding in that effort. And I think the majority of your programs are behind it. There's some schools, some coaches, some programs that, frankly, they don't do a whole lot in the spring. So... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how in favor they are. Yeah. I um well I, I think that you've got like the you've got two really big positives. You've got the soccer side, which obviously is immensely improved. But also I think the actual student athlete, you know, that pe- people stagger or, or college students stagger their schedule um to take their harder classes in the spring because the fall is so, so immensely tough. Um yep. and I would think kind of evening that out would just be better, you know, like, yes, you lose, I guess that lighter schedule in the spring, but your fall and spring are, are at a point where it's, I don't know, much more realistic as far as what you're, what you're handling. The, the travel isn't ridiculous. You can take a class in the fall, um, that, you know, wouldn't hamper you as near as much. And also you've got the, the physical side of it as well. Like you've, you know, they, they're, man, I, you play so many games back to back to back to back you know, that, that just wears you down. And to have that kind of opened up a little bit more certainly would be a big positive. I, I'm sure that's something you've, you've seen with your, with your players. Oh, without a doubt. You know, the, every phase, physically, mentally, uh, academically, so many uh, ways it's, it's an improvement if it were to happen. You know, like there's a lot of naysayers out there, and, uh, whether they you know, take to Twitter, and I certainly take to Twitter here and there as well. But the reality is, is that, 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 you know, this will never happen, et cetera. Um, it keeps being pushed for, and I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, there's no doubt that, that soccer is on the up. It's not on the down. So, you know, I, I, I think that in almost every way, this helps the, uh, the experience for the, the college player. Yeah. I really do. And it helps their development. Now, we don't have – we're not filled with a bunch of donkeys in college soccer. <laughs> there are very good players in college soccer. Um, it's just a matter of that this would be a, a bonus for them. It would help them. Yeah, absolutely. And it well, would affect other leagues. It would affect leagues that play in the summer that counts on the college player. Yeah. Because I'm not certain that those leagues would uh, survive anymore based on having a, a championship in the April-May window. Yeah. Yeah, I... Um... I, I like the I like the donkeys comment because I, I I I wonder how much the college system has unintentionally hampered a college soccer player in in a number of ways of physically you know there's a number of players that come out just so banged up. Um, what was it wasn't Tarbell he went he got drafted to Minnesota where did he he, he didn't play a minute in, in MLS but he was a pretty decent college guy what was his name. Uh, went to Wake Forest. Oh, gosh, I'm blanking. But he, oh boy, I, I can't remember either. He got he was so banged up. Uh, Alec Farrell, that was it. He he was so banged okay. up when he came out of college. I think he was around 2016 when he graduated. He was so banged up. You know his 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 season or his career was basically over. Um, I yeah. think I think he made some attempts at it, but it just you know, he couldn't do anything. So that you know. You've got. I, I think if you open up a little bit more, there'd be less of this donkey perception, and you'd 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 be able to actually develop players how you want. But then also you run into the situation that, I mean, this is what happened to UIC at the end of the season last year. Y'all get to the snowstorm, everyone's exhausted from the season. You know, those games are are largely determined by this kind of brute force of just like, you know, smashing your opponent and whoever can do that later in the season. You know, it's a big advantage. So you instead of relying so heavily on this big, you know, physical battle, if you can stretch the season out a little bit more, you actually 
you're actually incentivized to play better soccer. But right now, you're kind of incentivized to smash the ball down someone's throat and go jump on them and, and you know, see if you can cause an error somewhere, um, which isn't the most prettiest soccer to watch. <laughs> no, it's not. And, and credit to our guys, and Sean, Alexi, and Minos, we, we do play, I think, a pretty attractive brand. And um, it is important for us to continue playing that style because that's our, that's our DNA is to possess the ball and, and build it. Now look, MLS had a, a Shiki Shiki, I think, was Rookie of the Year or Newcomer of the Year, you know, whatever, whatever it's termed for MLS. He's a college product and uh, Denver, and uh, great, good for them. And I, I think there's other players that if, if earned or if given the chance, I think they uh, they have a, a chance of uh, of doing some things at the next level. Yeah. Well, we'll springboard there. So, so thank you for that transition. <laughs> but we'll springboard from that with um, going to a goalkeeper who came out of the college system, went through MLS, and just played against Canada last night with Zach Steffen. Um, has had a really strong season uh, with Dusseldorf over in Germany the first month or so. Um, lots of player of the week selections and some big-time saves. Um and then with the national team, it's it's almost like a completely different story. So, I I put a poll up last night about um, how did you how did you view Stefan's performance against Canada, positive, neutral, negative, and it was about forty forty on positive, neutral. I think it was leaning a little neutral, and then the last twenty or so was on negative, which I felt like was pretty fair. Um, but yeah. what, what what was your takeaway from uh, Stefan's performance against Canada? to agree I, I don't think he's uh, he's shining by any means and um, I that's not necessarily his his fault I'd like to put a lot at the foot of the goalkeeper or at the hands of the goalkeeper because goalkeeper wise you're supposed to problem solve and solve these things before they come to you and shift people around make sure people are in the best put them in areas to be successful Sure. Um, by managing your back line. I, I think Zach is a very good goalkeeper with a, a bright career ahead. You can tell when he was young, and I think he's going through that process now. I, I think that uh, I think there's good days ahead for him. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And I think last <laughs> night was was simply, um, you know, kind of a an average to above average performance that we shouldn't have had to have out of Zach Steffen. Yeah, sure. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have been pressured. He shouldn't have conceded two goals. Um, but credit to Canada, they were simply better. And I've got some concerns for for the U.S. national team, the men's, men's senior team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's. It's hard to be real optimistic, certainly now, but certainly over the last year and a half, two years, even farther. Um, I, I think the one. So I, I went back and I'm still kind of clicking through it. It's over. It's going to be over like a two week process of me watching this, but I'm going back and watching the USA Germany game from '02, and um, you know the one we we should have won in the quarter, and watching Brad Friedel on goal. He certainly understands his limitations and kind of plays inside himself. <laughs> you know, he's not running up the field. He's not, you know, he's not really trying to ping a ball on on a dime forty yards away. He's he's got his territory. He covers it well. And I feel like Stefan's kind of figuring that out for himself right now. I think he, you know, you look at all the the big saves he's had in the last year. Um, you know, it's usually like this big athletic display of um, you know there was one with with Dusseldorf recently where he was like, I can't remember, but how the ball like popped over him and he's like lunging back towards the goal and, you know, pulls it out. And it's a really wonderful save, but in one that, you know, you're not really expecting many goalkeepers to get. Um, but I, I feel like he, whenever he's required to take big strides, whether it's going forward positively uh, out of the box or whether it's post to post, I, I feel like he, he ends up, it's either too slow or it's too muddied. Um, you know, there was a couple of times where he gets caught coming out forward and nothing happened in the Canada game and it just looks yep. so awkward. So I, 
you know, I understand that they're wanting him to play a little bit more out of the back, which I think his distribution skills are about average for what I what I've seen from other goalkeepers in that pool. So I think if they would take a little less responsibility off him, he would be more successful, oddly enough. But with him, yeah. I don't know. It, it seems like he has he's having to do too much, and he's not able to shine where he can. Um, but I, I don't know. I it, it's that's, it, uh, that's Greg's fault. Um, you know, it's uh, building out of the back is multi layered and multi level. Are you talking about just you know pinging a goal kick if? Uh, to, to somebody you know, inside or just outside the box and let them build, not terribly difficult. If you're asking to, to play a goal kick and get it back and chase the point and get it back and find the six and get it back and play over the top to get out wide, you know, okay, now you're, you're interacting a heck of a lot more. I don't, you know, th- this, this demand on the goalkeeper to play out of the back stuff is uh, – in many ways, crap, and it's unnecessary. <laughs> um, it's just, uh, for what? For what reason? I mean, you see enough goal kicks that are absolutely crushed, and possession is won, and, and opportunities are earned. And I think I tweeted or Instagrammed about it, at, I don't know, maybe two, three, five, seven months ago. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it was in an MLS game, I think. Where uh, I think it was Sean Johnson uh, was in the game, and uh, he played a very difficult ball into the six, and ended up conceding. Yeah. And I think the other goalkeeper at the other end just picked out a goal kick, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards, whatever it was, and the ball gets knocked down, and off they went to goal. And I don't know, it's just it, it, it strikes me like the near post, uh, the near post crap as well. You get <laughs> scored on the near post, and people give you a hard time. Yeah. And. Uh, like it counts for two or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, 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 a built-up goal makes you makes you that much better of a coach and of a team and everything else. You can play a certain way. We like to play at UIC. That's fantastic. That's how we want to play. It doesn't make us better or worse. It goes to the Hope Solo argument when she ripped into sweeps, I think, for mm. how they beat the U.S. There's many ways to play this game. And... You know, if somebody wants to play a certain way and they beat you, it's your job to find a way to solve that problem. And I think, you know, what we're doing is to solve that tactical that tactical setup for the other team. We're asking Zach to do too much. You know, not, not way, way, way too much, but it's unnecessary. And uh, with it being unnecessary, I think it's a situation where, you know, play to Zach's strengths. Play to... to uh, the Bradley's strengths, if you're going to put him on the field, play to Sargent's strengths. You know, the, the job of Burhalter is to get results and not develop this uh, this team. He doesn't have enough time with them to develop them. Right, They're right. going to go back to their clock and play their way uh, because that's where their paycheck is coming from. That's where they're day-to-day. And they're going to come to the U.S. and they, the expectation is to get results. And that's that's not happening. And Zach is, is being asked, I think, to do a little too much. No, absolutely. And I think some of it in Columbus, you know, he obviously worked with Berhalter there and they you know, they had kind of a system. I don't really think Dusseldorf is playing the same way. Um, just from the little bit I've watched, I, I think they, they are kind of like, Hey, we might get relegated. So we don't, we don't have time to goof around with the ball in the back. Um, exactly. yeah. So I, I, you know, I, if, for everyone that, uh, kind of touts playing out of the back, I would wager, I don't know, 90 plus percent of them would have a very difficult time answering the question, how does playing out of the back help you beat your opponent? And then, you know, because, because it's like, you know, how, how is it? Like you're saying that it's gotta be, it's multifaceted. It's gotta be all these levels to just because you play out of the back, you know, your job isn't done there. It's gotta go, you know, five, six more passes. So my favorite, I always crack up when I see this is when a goalkeeper plays out to the outside back, who's open, but also the outside back doesn't have any other options to play to. So they're not really open. I mean, they've got space, but like they don't have a second pass set up. So they just pass it back to the goalkeeper who then smashes it upfield. And it's like, well, we tried to play out of the back. It's like, no, you didn't. You just you pass it to the open guy, but you don't have a system that's set up to play out of the back, quote unquote. You just have some open people in certain places and it, it, it still results in you just smashing the ball forward. 
Exactly. Yep. Exactly. You know, um, Matt Lampson, when he was playing for the Chicago Fire, had to play out of the back. Okay, that was Pono's mandate, and uh, and Sarkey worked with him on it. I spent a little bit of time working with him on it, and great. Again, that's their choice. That's what they want. All right, and that's okay. All right. Now you need to make sure that you've got people who can do it, and that was that was developing pretty well. Developing because he was with his club, and you know he had a good season. That was their last playoff season, and. Um, I think it was during that season is when they went to the playoffs. But Matt, has, Matt owns the longest consecutive shutout in it uh, window of time in mm. club history. Nice, yeah. And huh. basically gave it up or conceded. It might have been Henri who, who uh, scored the goal. I don't remember. <laughs> but it was him having to play out of the back. Yeah. You know, a ball came to him and he tried to change the point, took it one touch and didn't play well, and it was robbed, and then he was beat. And, yeah. you know, goals are Goals are going to be goals. They're going to happen many, many different ways. But there are times for a goalkeeper to, to blow the friggin' play up. And there are times for a goalkeeper to play if he can. And if it's, if it's safe, it's an area of the park that people are going to pounce on you if you make a mistake. And that's the, that's the challenge. Oh, absolutely. I, and, you know, I think back to, to Neuer's, you know, whenever he kind of blew up on on social media in 2014 when he was winning headers in the attacking half you know all, all that was kind of crazy to watch but it was under or was within the system of his team you know ha- having a strong press whenever wherever the ball was so Neuer can play high because whenever the opposition gets the ball they don't have time to kind of look up and see oh I can chip this guy they're immediately shut down from from whoever's around yeah. them so it's this kind of you know, full thought out system. And it's not just kind of like, Hey, this random quip, that sounds good. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that about Lampson. I would have guessed, um, I guess Bushy or, or Thornton for the longest shutout or consecutive shutout streak there. But, uh, that's or it. Even Sean. I mean, they, they, yeah. those guys have more windows, more looks at it, probably in order, uh, Thornton, then Sean, then Bushy, then Matt. But, uh, yeah, it was the 500 some minutes or something All right, like yeah. that. All right, well, there you go. It's some, something you can hang your head on. Um, there you go. Well, hey, you, you're close by. You, How about you briefly recap Chicago's situation there, and we'll kind of hop into the, kind of an MLS kind of umbrella here. But I, I, you, going into the season, you, you were you were strong on Usted, who I thought had a really good, I don't know, first eight or nine games, however many he played. Um, and then he gets benched for... Uh, a German-American keeper, Kenneth Kronholm, who was coming from the second division, I believe, in Germany. Um, And I thought the switch was odd because not... I I think I would have been fine with it if Kronholm was a clearly step up from Usted, but it seemed like it was, at best, a like-for-like, if not a drop-down from a goalkeeper who I thought was playing pretty decently at the moment. So you're close by. What what was your take on the Chicago situation? I think they had their eye on Cronholm for a while again because of his ability with the ball and his boot. Mm. And so that's why I think there was a big interest in Kenneth Cronholm, who I, I've yet to meet. I don't know or anything else. Um, for me, I thought Usted uh, suffered a little bit, uh, meaning he didn't suffer in his play. I don't think he deserved to be um, – put the number two or dropped. Uh, and then especially when you look at Cronholm, I mean, they've had some, some challenges. Sanchez prior uh, to this, I thought Steph Cleveland actually did a pretty good job uh, when he's had his, uh, his cups of coffee. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought instead was going to, uh, was going to have a good year. And I thought he was actually playing pretty well. Um, you know, had a, a couple howlers, which, you know, I'm not going to, I don't like a goalkeeper to have a howler. Um, <laughs> But he did. He you know, took a, an aerial ball and basically dropped it down, which I think is a, a crap move by goalkeepers when they do it, yeah. when they push the ball to the floor quickly. And, you know, he did it from an exposed area up high and you know, just kind of maybe lost the ball a little bit. You know, falls to his feet and is tapped in. And so, but, you know, Kronholm had his fair share as well. I thought instead should have been the number one choice. Um, but he wasn't. And at times, 
Sanchez was the number two option, and uh, and then Kronholm was on the field. So uh, Usted basically had been dropped as three. Again, I don't know if he was injured or not, so I, I, I sure. don't know. But um, for me, looking at it from afar, uh, the old adage, someone else's team, I would have uh, I would have had in goal. But um, I don't know. It, uh, yeah. That's uh, that's their choice, and uh, you know when you look at it, you can't say it was uh, it was good, not just because of him, but without making the playoffs, you know, a, a spotlight gets put on you at that level. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I unfortunately, I think it's just another example of teams really um, looking for a goalkeeper overseas, but not wanting to spend the proper money on it. <laughs> so. Um, and nothing against Cronholm, but I mean, they get him for free. You know what? Do you, what do you expect to ever? How how good is anything if it's free? You know, it's it's kind of. I don't think we. I don't think we have to do it, Bill. I, I'll. I, you know, look, there's goalkeepers all over the world, and there's damn good ones all over the world. But why do we? Why do we as a country need to uh, import goalkeepers, in particular, into our league? I don't get. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, you know, Tim Howard and Nick Ramondo, which I know is another topic for us, are celebrated to uh, two Americans um, that, that, that had very, very good, long-standing, stellar careers, award-winning careers, national team careers. Uh, you know, both calling it a, a, a career this this year, this month, if you will. Um, but there's there's many, many others, and, uh, and there's you know field players as well. But I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to do it. I don't see that much of a differentiation to have to go that way. Yeah. There are times when you bring in like a Nico, Demanja uh, uh, for the fire and want a golden boot. Okay, maybe we don't have a domestic player who's going to win that golden boot, but Mike McGee is a uh, domestic player who's been an MLS MVP from the Chicago area. So uh, I don't, you know, I don't. Goalkeeper wise, I don't think it's necessary. We have good goalkeepers in this country that you can uh, you can give a little bit of a leash to, just like the imported goalkeepers get. Yeah. Okay, you know they get arguably even a longer leash. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Than, than our domestic uh, than our domestic goalkeepers, and I don't know. I, I obviously love the position, and I find a problem with that. And um, you know, if this is a forum for me to say it. But I'll say it. I think it's I think it's completely unnecessary. I we have enough talent here. We wanna we wanna think that this player's better. They must be better. Yeah. They're coming from this academy. They're coming from this club. They must be better. And I, I call crap on that in, in many cases because um, I, I don't think I can swear on your podcast. But <laughs> you can blink me. I'll bullshit on it. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take care of it. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, and I think that longer leash comes from a higher salary. So, uh, the Cincinnati goalkeeper, uh, Teton, I think that's how you pronounce it. He he's on a third of a million, uh, three hundred twenty-eight thousand, which is about. I'm trying to see Spencer. Spencer Richie's on seventy-one thousand, so it's a pretty big gap there. And you know, you have this investment on this goalkeeper you brought in from overseas, and it's like, well, we kind of have to play him because we spent all this money, but. You know, they start looking at the money and as opposed to the on-field performance, which is kind of silly for me. So I, I'm looking at the the league starters, and you know, not many of them have had a strong run in USL, which I think is kind of telling. That you know, when when's the last USL goalkeeper that's made it to MLS and had like a more than just a cup of coffee? You know, it, it's I, I'm looking at this this list, and it's all guys that have. Just, have pretty much exclusively been in MLS. And um, that's one thing I would love to see. It's just a little bit more faith in the USL goalkeeper. It's like, hey, may- maybe, yes, maybe they're not a national team goalkeeper, but are they going to do as good a job as a goalkeeper you poached who was sitting on the bench overseas and you're paying $328,000 for? Like, yeah, absolutely. So, Kenneth but, Cronholm is not a, a national team goalkeeper. Sure, yeah. You yeah. know? And, uh, and so you, you're not, they're not bringing over somebody that's of unbelievable pedigree. Now, they're in the position to bring in that player, and that's their choice. You know, and, 
and that's great. And I don't know enough about Kenneth Brownholm to to speak that well. But what I do know is that results are results. And Tyler Miller goes in and is uh, probably on a, on a salary less than the Honduran and others that they brought in. Yeah. And Tyler Miller has been the goalkeeper for LAFC that set records for the most successful team in MLS history. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. Is it just because of Tyler Miller? No, it's not. You know, but we're talking about goalkeepers. No, it's not. It's because of Carlos Mella. And it's because of, uh, of the, the back line that's been very strong in Walker Zimmerman who's had probably better club performances than country performances, <laughs> among others. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, I just, it, it doesn't, you know, the Matt Persanos and Charlie Lyons, I keep talking about them. And the Eric Dixon, I could go on. Um, you know, Kyle Lyon and Steph Cleveland and Lansing, and Lansing's got their own troubles. But there, there are goalkeepers out there that can, uh, that can do the job. And uh, we, we invent these reasons, or people in, in uh, positions of, of power and influence invent these reasons for this guy to be that or this guy to be that. There's not enough difference in, in, our, uh, in our goalkeepers foreign or, or uh, here. Uh, to, to decide to go forward when you could bring in an American goalkeeper and get the results. There's plenty that have proven that to be correct. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and one thing I, I'm kind of crossing my fingers about, it, it may end up being nothing, I don't know, but Josh Cohen playing in the Israeli Premier League, he goes from the Sacramento Republic uh, after getting passed by every MLS team. They, they don't want him. And he goes over to a Europa League team, <laughs> which is very funny to me of like, Oh, hey, we're MLS. You know, you're, you're not good enough. And then some Europa League teams like, well, actually, we'll we'll take him. Um, and he's right. had he's had two starts, he, two shutouts. He's looked good. Um, so I I I hope just with some success coming out of the USL that that can kind of snowball a little bit. Uh, I'll I'll give I'll give Cronholm a little due because I thought he had a wonderful game in the last game of the season, which I think was pretty meaningless for both clubs, if I remember correctly. But it was yeah. Orlando Chicago. Uh, Chicago wins five to two, but it was essentially a no defense game. They were just, it was just shots left and right. And there wasn't, it was, I don't know if the, the lineups were academy kids or what, but they, I mean, it was just nonstop. And I thought Cronholm had a number of big saves. So I, I will give him that. I, I don't want to rip into one guy too much, but I, uh, I'll, I'll give him that too. But yeah, I, in a general sense, yes, I, I wish, I don't know, if we could just have a little more faith in the USL goalkeepers. I think there would be a return there. Um, I just put this out today. Matt Bersano was one of the, one of my top five USL goalkeepers in goal saved. I noticed that. Yeah, yep. yeah. There you go. So I, I I think there's talent there. We just uh, give just a little bit more a little more leash there as opposed to oh one mistake and you're out. So well, I, I heard from a buddy uh, I don't know how many years ago, but I certainly took it into my head and I used it plenty. The genius doesn't have to come from 50 miles away or greater. You know, and that's what we think in this position and in other positions in soccer in this country. We think that the talent has to come from a faraway place because they must be better. Yeah. <laughs> when that's not the case, Georgie Mahalovich is a damn good footballer playing for the Chicago Fire. And you know, he's on the Olympic team right now. Mm. He's a damn good soccer player. And he grew up in, in, uh, in the, the, the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, the, the, the son of my high school soccer coach, Alex oh. Malovich. And he's damn good. And, and frankly, I think he's the first 11 player in the in the league. And he's young. And he'll probably grow in, into that being more and more and more. Um, but there, there, there's just case after case after case like that. That, you know, just uh, for some reason, no, Tommy Barlow's bagging goals for uh, either Red Bull team. And, uh, you know, that's a, a, a domestic product out of St. Louis and the University of Wisconsin. I could go on. Yeah. Well, we'll slide to another player who's been largely counted out for a good chunk of his career, but somehow managed to rack up just about every statistical, uh, I don't know, category in MLS play with Nick Romando, who has also never won a Goalkeeper of the Year award. Um, what are your What are your thoughts oh. on on him being skipped every year? <laughs> yeah, you know that can't happen as far as never happening. Um, you know that that is, is 
not going to change because unless uh, unless that happens this year, which it shouldn't, um, you know, I, boy, I don't know. You know, Steve Clark for me this year is is a major candidate. Yep. As far as Nick, he should not have been overlooked. Um, I don't think this year is is his best year, but he had a a stellar career. Pretty unorthodox goalkeeper, mm. to be quite honest. Uh, but that's okay. That's there's many ways to play the game. There's many ways to play the position, and uh, you know that's that's how he did. I uh, how he did it is is a little unorthodox. But I hope that uh, you know he, he ends up whatever he does in retirement completely uh, you know gives back to the to the game. Uh, the game has given him a lot. And, He's given the game a hell of a lot. Uh, just major, major props to him overall. Never, never met him. Don't know him. Um, just uh, admiring the, the position and his his longevity. I think it's fantastic. I, he may have even like walked on at, at UCLA or something. I'm not even sure, but uh, at the end of the day, he's, he's done extremely well in this game. I'm trying to remember who he started after at UCLA. I want to say it went Hartman, Ramondo, Reese, but that may not be. It was something like that. But yeah, he he was kind of caught in a weird spot there. Um, yeah. Uh, do Do you know who were the the nominees for goalkeeper of the year? Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that, <laughs> which I thought was uh, was was quite interesting. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think Tyler was in there, right? No, it, no. Sean Johnson, Bill Hamid, and Vito Minone uh, with Minnesota. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, boy, <laughs> it, it's a it's a position that uh, that has so little room for error. And as the season started for Vito, there was enough errors. Yeah. And um, but he obviously turned the season around, and credit to Minnesota. But um, you know, Tyler Miller, best record in league history. So what? You know, my, my when I look at these things, I'm like, okay. So what eliminated Tyler Miller? Yeah. What was it? He faced too few shots. Maybe he's unbelievably organized. He gave up too few goals. Maybe he eliminated shots because of his organization. You know, I I don't I don't know what what goes through the mind. How does Bill Hamid? end up being a candidate for MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. No disrespect to Bill Abid. Sure. I'm not a, I'm not a major fan because uh, of how he's how he's carried himself with the national team picture and the and the uh, the, the club uh, scenario, if you will, towards the national team and how he's he's kind of had a go at them. He should be confident, but there's other ways to go about the communication. <laughs> and because of uh, how unbelievable this or that occasional save is because there's some howlers there as well, which are going to happen for a goalkeeper. We don't have room for errors. We, we make a mistake. People are going to punish us, but I don't know how that happens. Sean is at a, a you know, basically a comeback here. Um, you know, Bingham has been, has been highly thought of. And, uh, yeah. and this is kind of the first time that Bingham has been highly thought of as far as having a good season. Sure. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just, um, it's interesting to me. And, you know, I think guys like yourself and, and the input that you put towards this, and I, I, I read that and I, I believe a lot in that. And, you know, that it's not really well thought of. It, it is, like you said, it's a narrative. And, and I, I don't like, uh, I don't like that. But again, you know, I always go back to the fact that know they they're in that position they can choose who they who they wish sure. you know uh, our staff is going to choose if we so choose a uh, an MVP of our team if you will it doesn't come from the media or fellow coaches or yeah. whatever else so you know, they can do as they wish but I think there's many others that uh, you know, Steve Clark and Tyler Miller in particular that deserve a hell of a lot more of a look than, than what has been given their way Oh yeah, absolutely. It, there, there used to be kind of a. Unfortunately, it has to be kind of a sexiness to someone winning the award, and I think unfortunately Tyler Miller is just a very largely unsexy goalkeeper in that he doesn't have these big upper ninety saves. 
he he doesn't have a lot of saves to make, you know, because he he plays on a pretty decent team. I I don't know about how well he organizes his team, but I've never gotten the idea that he's an idiot. You know, I don't I don't think he does a bad job with it. Um, but right. I think I think he's kind of too boring of a pick for whatever reason. I, people have kind of downgraded him in some sense, and so um, we end up you know getting these. I don't know. It has to be kind of some sort of excitement of why you would vote for him. Like Crepo for Vancouver, who I thought had a really wonderful year. He's on a, a last place team, so it's not exciting. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's totally fair. Steve Clark, you know, I, I thought there was like a pretty good storyline there that he went from essentially not wanted by 99% of MLS teams. He gets kind of this last shot here has a really Tim Malia kind of run of a year, has a wonderful year, and they passed on that. So I, I have a hard time predicting it. I, I just don't know. I, I just cannot believe that letting the league's goalkeepers and goalkeepers coaching coaches solely vote and determine on that and don't let anyone else vote. I can't believe that that would be worse than our current setup. I mean, the, that's their job. They, they have to know this. Like, all the, all the MLS goalkeepers, I mean, they don't watch every shot and every save. I get it. But they know who's good. They pay attention. And if they want to stay em- employed, they're sure as hell watching every other goalkeeper and saying, okay, well, that guy's doing this. Like, can I do that? Or is that, you know. So I I, I get a little miffed of this idea of like, well, like, <laughs> don't, don't let the coaches and players vote, you know, or only determine it because they do just as bad a job. It's like, well. They're literally getting paid to do it, so I don't know how that adds up. But okay, I, yeah. <laughs> but, you're, you're right. You know, it's like you know, the, in the college game, a league will will give their goalkeeper of the year award to the, the the person who had the lowest goals against average. Yeah, and yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that doesn't always mean it. I get it; it's subjective. I get it. There's, it's not easy. You know, I'm not sitting here saying it's a, it's an easy thing. It's debatable. No matter which direction that you uh, that you go, but you know what what I what I'm pretty sure is likely going to happen is people like a um, uh, a Steve Clark that you know came into the team had to to take over from Atanella yep. and ends up you know has has a fantastic year. Then who knows if he's going to be signed again. It's almost like he has a tag of going from team to team. Yeah. So, well, that's the way it's got to be. <coughs> and I don't, uh, excuse me, I don't, I don't buy in, uh, into that either. I mean, believe in the guy now. Believe in him. Extend him. You know, make him feel like he, like what he's just done for you, and and make him feel that way for a a three-year deal or whatever the whatever the case may be. Yeah. And that doesn't matter if he's domestic or not. If Vito did the job for uh, for Minnesota, reward the man. Yeah. You yeah. know? Uh, but, you know, who am I? I'm just uh, <laughs> some goofball. Just, just some goalkeeper coach. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't know as much as everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, here, we'll, we'll wrap up on this. But what are your, what are your lasting memories whether it's a specific moment or overarching thing with with one with howard one with Romando. i'll go first so i'll give you some time to think but um i really like i mean the the 2010 algeria game that set up the donovan goal that all comes from howard's throw if people remember i just i thought it was good and i was also i'm doubling up i give two here but i was also really impressed whenever he scored some ridiculous goal with Everton where he just booted the ball down the field and it bounced over the goalkeeper. And of course yeah. his team goes to celebrate with Howard. Howard like pushes them off. He's like, no, like I'm not, I'm not going to celebrate that. I was like, you know what? Like good on it. And, and he said afterwards, like he, he knows how bad it is to give up a terrible goal. Like he wasn't going to celebrate. You know, I, I think what Will Hesmer did, that goal is a completely different situation. Like he should go crazy and score and celebrate. That's one thing, but to just boot a ball, a hundred yards and, and score. I, I was always kind of impressed with Howard. Um, so that was, that was that. And then the Nick Ramondo, I can't remember what year it was. I'm going to say 2013, 14, somewhere there where they had the, the penalty shootout with Kansas city. It was him and Jimmy Nielsen and it was snowing. And even though they lost the game, 
I just remember like being in trance just from the whole thing. I mean, it was kind of magical with the snow and the, the moment. Um, and you've got the, you know, top goalkeepers there. And so I, I just, that, that, that moment really stood out to me. I thought he did such, such a wonderful job and I was pretty bummed that he didn't end up winning it then. But uh, those are probably the two, it's probably something else, but those are probably the two most iconic moments for me when I think of those goalkeepers. I think the only, it's a very small complaint, the only complaint I have about that game is that sometimes some of those saves he gets credit for for setting that record were clearly not going on goal. <laughs> like there was, I remember there was a couple that were just like kind of trickling off to the side and he jumps on and they counted. Yeah. I was like, well, okay, that's kind of stretching it. But I, you know, there was something really to be said about um, like Bel just watching Belgium's body language after save after save and they were like, this is unbelievable. And I think yeah. it goes back to the Keller Brazil game of 
you know, maybe even some of those saves aren't amazing, but the fact that you've managed to get in the other in, into the opponent's head that in that way, you know, that yeah. that's really pretty ma- a magical moment in a lot of ways. You know, it's very, I don't know, it, it's it's so rare to see that. So, I yeah, it yeah, was. I, I think that, uh, that that Belgium is equally disappointed in their execution as they are in how stymied they are by Howard's performance. Yeah. And I think it's a combination of both. I love the celebration smashing by Tim taking away goal opportunities and, and you, what you think might be goals and things like this. And, you, you know, that the opponent has their hands lifted and ready to celebrate, and all of a sudden their hands are on their knees in disappointment. That's fantastic by, by Timmy. Yeah. I think Belgium was just as disappointed in, in themselves. And I, it, it sounded like you also asked about <laughs> Bruce Arena compared to uh, to uh, Greg Berhalter. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of yeah, I was wondering about your thoughts on that. What do you, what do you got? I mean, Bruce Arena kicked his kicked ass everywhere he's gone, and all the guy does is receive criticism. He's won national championships in college. He's won MLS cups. I don't know how many times. He took us to the round of eight in two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. He's brought New England. New England was the only team about to be relegated in the history of Major League Soccer, <laughs> and he makes them relevant again. And, and all we do is criticize Bruce Arena. I, do, I don't get what makes people happy in this country as far as football and the managers and everything else. But he, he won and won and won and won and won, and he continues to win. And yet, and Bob Bradley, the guy has persevered, 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 and wins. And, you know, we, we go goo-goo and gaga about Jurgen Klinsmann, Greg Berhalter, etc. Great that we have a domestic guy coaching our domestic national team. I think that's a win, but it's not working at the moment. Um, I, I still give him time, but it's not working at the moment. But, but people have got to lighten up on, on, uh, on Bruce Arena. I mean, holy cow, but that's my opinion. I, well, I, you know, thank you for answering that question, Esther. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I think there's, I, I think again, it goes back to the kind of that narrative. Of, like, I don't think Bruce Arena is a real. Um, I'm trying to give another word besides sexy, but I'll just use it again, I guess. But he, he's not a real Tactician. sexy. Yeah, you know, he, he's just like, you know, even his body language and like listening to him in interviews, he has this kind of weird, like Greg Popovich sort of like sarcasm yep. to him. I think it really pushes people off. I don't think. He always plays a real attractive style. You know, sometimes it, it kind of depends. I thought the 2002 run, we actually had played some pretty fun soccer. And even 06, I thought they were playing pretty decently. Just some terrible results there. Um, but, yeah, I there's just something about him that he's kind of almost an easy target. And I think that the 28 or the 20, yeah, 2018 collapse, which really he got handed such a, a short stick. You know, it was like, hey, good luck, <laughs> you know. Um I think the people just kind of jumped on that, but I, I, I think if people could separate, and I guess this is the big challenge for everyone, but if they could separate biases or whatever and just look at results and say, "Hey, has this person done their job?" You know, I, I, I think Arena should should be, you know, he's in a far net positive in that stance. Um, what do What do people want? Do you want Do you want your national team to qualify for World Cup? Check. <laughs> do you want your team to get out of the group? Check. Do you want your team to get to the round of eight? Check. Do you want your team to win a World Cup? Absolutely. Your country to win a World Cup? Absolutely. And not many countries have. But, you know, or do you want Jurgen Klinsmann, who can talk this unbelievable game, yet the results weren't there and people weren't buying in? Yeah. So is that what you want to continue and feel good about, you know, going to bed at night? Yeah, but. You know, Jurgen's going to talk good tomorrow with the team, and they're going to they're going to feel good about what he says, but they're going to play for shit. I, you know, I don't. What do you What do you want out of your out of your national team? Well, I, do you want yeah. them to produce, or do you want them to, to 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 the media to make it sound like they're doing the right thing? I I think people have a very difficult time separating their distaste for. You know whether it's their specific team or MLS as a league or the U- U.S. national team or the the women's national team. You know it, it's it's if you like one of those, you like all of them, and if you don't like one of those, it ends up bleeding into all of them as well. So I 
Right. You know, I, I could certainly see people who get so frustrated with some of the handicaps that MLS puts on itself. And it's like, why, you know, why are we doing this? We could be a little sure. more effective. And it just bleeds over everyone's like, where it's like, well, I don't like MLS, so I hate the national team too. It's like, well, you know, you don't, you don't have to draw such a hard line there. Um, I, I will push back a little bit that I think Klinsman did it. He got more uh, at in 2014. I think he got he over exceeded his not only his expectations but the talent on the field. We we shouldn't have been in that Belgian game to begin with. And I thought yeah. he I thought he got us there. I thought he did a good job there. I don't think he was a great tactician. He was making some weird decisions going into 2018. Admittedly, our player pool was pretty weak. But I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying he was the best coach we've ever had. But I'll, I'll defend him a little bit there. <laughs> I, I don't think that we have this unbelievably bad player pool. I really don't. I think it's it's how well you know how how are you going to go find them? Are you going to go look for? Them? We're not. We're not doing a crap job of developing players in this country. And I know that people will tell me I'm full of crap and saying <laughs> it. But we have, we have talent in this, uh, in this country. It's a matter of putting people in the right place and making them feel good about getting a job done, knowing their role, et cetera. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. But if we had talent in 2002 to do it, if we qualified in 90 with college players, I mean, <laughs> yeah. what – what what's going on? Uh, you know, yeah. I don't want to steal Taylor's uh, Taylor's yeah, monster, <laughs> but what are yeah. we doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I don't understand. In '90 we do it, 2002 we do it, and then we you know we 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 get away, we stray off course. We are a hard working, blue collar, grit oriented country on the soccer field. And we get away from it all the time. Yeah. We can add some elements to our football without a doubt. We don't have to be, I'm not saying, and the interpretation will be, kick the ball long and fight for it and knock it down and shoot from 30 and win the game. No. But we lose this fact. We lose this DNA. And that's what, what bothers me. Yeah. That's what bothers me. Well, I do think there's a little bit of irony for Berhalter because I when I was going back watching that two thousand two Germany game, he they're playing a three five two. Can you name the three defenders? One of them's Berhalter. Can you you name the other two? What year? Two it's two thousand two, the, the Germany quarterfinal. Oh, we've got Berhalter and we've got two other defenders in a three five two. I'll tell Tony Sani. Very good, very good. Who's the other one? Um was it Agus? Eddie Pope. Um Pope. Yeah, okay. yeah, there you go. Um but uh, yeah, one out of two, not bad. Um, but no, I, I thought that you know that back three wasn't really known for playing out of the back. <laughs> you know, like Berhalter wasn't known as a player, but yet they had a pretty good run in 2002. So I, you know, they, it seems like we've moved away from the Jay Demerits, and I don't want to say someone's name to throw him under the bus, but we we've moved from the Jay Demerits to those really technical players that you know. And again, I don't want to say name, but they they just don't. They don't have the same matching drive, and it, you know I think Keller had on it recently about the lack of passion, the lack of commitment there. Like it absolutely feels that way, you know, when you watch them. So I, I, I think we're I think we're looking I for the, that, the wrong players now. I think that comes from the manager. You know, yeah. look, I don't have all the answers. I turned sure. down Jay Demerit in college <laughs> from Green Bay, and I turned yeah. him down at UWM. He goes to UIC, has a fantastic career both in college. And after, yeah. um, and I, I still communicate with Jay to this day. I own one of his one of his uh, portable uh, speaker units from Portmanteau <laughs> Stereo or something. Yeah, uh, the guy's fantastic. Um, and Tony Sani, you know, he was the one that uh, they he was right in the box and had words with the referee on that O2 uh, goal yeah. that was handled on the uh, on the end line. But Tony comes out of high school being a, a, a striker in, in college. He's a winger slash striker in the pro game for MLS. He's a, 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 a winger um, attacking player. He slowly transitions hurts uh, to a central defender in the U.S., outside back slash central defender, and, you know, very, very versatile career. And These are things that, you know, people found something in Tony Sani, and, you know, you, you manage him, and you, just like everybody else on the roster, you manage Berhalter, everybody else. I, I, I don't know. We're, we're getting into this A license and senior this license and B license and, you know, all this type of 
find the best players that can produce for our national team. I don't know if we're doing it. Well, I, certainly looking at last night against Canada, I don't get the vibe that we are at the moment. So, I, yeah, I, um, I don't think anything you're saying is out of place there. So, we'll see. I mean, it, you get into a weird bind because Berhalter, you know, you know, everyone agrees. Like, well, yeah, he's not going to develop players. So, this kind of, like, system he's trying to do, you only have so much wiggle room with developing players. You know, you've got a very small window there. But on the same side, on the other side, you do have to select the right players to – fit a correct system you know if you're if you're picking a bunch of you know right-handed people to do a left-handed job you know it's it's going to get kind of mixed up there so i you did i think i think so.